0: Welcome to CISO's Insider's Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media.
1: Hello everybody, today I'm speaking with uh, Zach Mitchum. Zach is the, uh, is the CISO of uh, was it North Carolina Central University. He's been uh, in that role since 2017. Uh, and you know, looking back at your bio, I see you served uh, an extensive term in the US Army as an officer. Um, and I see that once you got, uh, you, you were out of the Army, you started your, your career as, uh, in, in the networking area, in, in the networking space, then moving up to all kinds of other positions. Um, the most uh, current one is the, the seat of the CISO. As I mentioned, I see you have a lot of experience here. I mean, uh, I think it's it would be best if you could uh, step in and uh, introduce yourself.
0: Yes, I'm Zachary Mitchum. I'm uh, Chief Information Security Officer for North Carolina Central University. And I, uh, as Ben said, I did serve in the United States Army for 20 years as an inf- uh, infantry officer. And, and my functional areas was uh, information technology is what has come to be called. But I've got over 16 years of uh, direct application information security information and training and higher education from teaching um, on the platform. I've also had over 40 years of uh, general security practices starting from 1981 when I first came into the military and specifically became a CISO type. Uh, they didn't call it CISO, it's information security. System security officer in 1994. So that's where I come from. The days before distributed computing, it was standalones and old computers. So I'm an old head.
1: Yeah. And mainframe and <laughs> AS400 and uh, <laughs> yeah. networks and all kinds of networking. Unibag 1004
0: and all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. And again, thank you for, uh, for uh, making the time for this. Uh, excited to, to be speaking to you. And You know, before we dive right into the the questions that I shared with you beforehand, uh, I always like to start off with a couple of icebreakers here. Uh, If there's anything you can share about your marital status and your favorite drink?
0: Well, yeah, I'm married. I have, uh, my wife's name is Angela, and I have two children. I have a daughter. Uh, It's interesting that our birthdays are all in the same month. Uh, Specifically, my daughter's birthday is... Uh, January 17th and she'll be 46 years old and the interesting thing about my son his birthday is an invert of mine I was born in 1985 I mean 19 no yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah 19... I-, I was a bit surprised yeah. there
1: for a minute
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was before I was born before my son right no but I was born in January 1958 and he was born in January 85. We just celebrated an invert. We have inverted dates. Like I was 63, he was 36. And that's pretty interesting. But I have two grandchildren, uh, one 14 and one 13. Oh, and my favorite drink is Welch's grape juice. I drink that stuff like water. I, the doctor tells me really? <laughs> I should obey. I just love it. Welch's grape juice is my favorite drink.
1: Yeah, I mean, we started the conversation around coffee, and now we're uh, <laughs> talking about grape juice. Okay, I don't think I've heard that one, but uh, okay, interesting, definitely. I mean, not your your typical CISO favorite drink, you know? Typically, no, when that would be when, a lot? When I
0: was CISO, I guess, is and orange juice, but no, I don't, I don't drink. So a regular CISO would be drinking uh, rum straight because of all the things he has to deal with, yeah. but no. I think the drink of
1: choice nowadays is either bourbon or whiskey. But exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, great And Thank you for sharing. Um and you know, let's uh dive right in. The, the intent of this podcast is basically to uh to put you in the spotlight and to learn more about you and your path uh, as a CISO and uh, and in the industry in general. Uh and whatever, you know, questions I I I ask you is, uh, is basically around yourself, about yourself. It's not specifically about technology. It's not specifically about your company or your current position. It's more, uh, you know, I'm trying to, to, get, uh, um, um, to get more insight into the mind of the CISO, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, so let's get going. Uh, if there's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career, what would that be?
0: Everything that I know now, right? It's like the minority report is not even fair. Because just like this pandemic we're going through right now, it's discovery. They don't really know what they don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the same thing holds true with my position. When we started out, I started out by saying, it came about as a collaborative uh, computing environment. It was not a requirement for passwords, right? So the things that were true in the past are no longer the case. Uh, I came in before that was distributed computing. And so with the Morris worm in 1988, introduced vulnerabilities and, and we start changing the paradigm from being open and collaborative to, oh, my God, we got to shut this thing down. If we're thinking about uh, uh, the far reaching benefits of using this technology, uh, we couldn't have thought about using uh, banking online during that time frame. Uh, as a as an example, right? Because there was no lockdown mechanism, there was no password uh, type of environment back in the '80s. So, the things that I wish I know, uh, I wish I knew, are uh, the things that I, I came to find out is discovery. And, and to this day, in earnest, we still learning, right? Yeah, so.
1: of course, all the time. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to a lot of CISOs, a lot of veterans in the industry, and. I mean you'd be surprised at uh, the you know the amount of un- unknowns and uh, the self uh, humbling feeling of most seasons I'm I'm speaking to mm-hmm. because no one really you know thinks that they know everything there is to know and everybody knows that there's a lot of things that we don't really know and uh, you know as we push through uh, push forward to uh, go about and securing our organizations and learning more we just find so many vulnerabilities so many new holes every time every, i mean then again day in and think day about
0: out. it uh, log 4j right
1: who mm-hmm. knew right yeah that's <laughs> so that's their my most life. recent yeah
0: exactly we learn something every single day right
1: definitely um you know if you could uh, and i know I, I see you had um you know an extensive career career so far if there's one thing uh you know that you could pin as your biggest failure and what did you learn from, from it what would that okay. be? okay okay
0: as i transitioned from a very regimented uh environment in the military where we locked everything down and i didn't get questioned about that uh i transitioned into corporate america and the most the, the biggest flaw uh, 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 challenge i had was to be able to convey the security message without appearing to be an inhibitor uh, to uh, the success of an organization, instead of being considered the uh, uh, doctor. No, oh man, that doesn't make sense. We can't do that. It's not secure. We don't have the bandwidth for that. And if you do this, it'll be opening us up to us. And then that 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 sort of gave me a bad reputation around the enterprise, and I had to. Uh, change that whole situation around because people in the military understood the idea of loose lips sink ships, right security everybody thinks about security passwords uh, passphrases challenges so that was the environment I came from but going into a uh, enterprise the non-governmental organizations that was my biggest challenge I wouldn't say a failure it was just a challenge I had to change and it was pretty much a failure the sense that uh, I didn't uh, understand the language of corporate America and, and it all came down to the dollar. Right. So I learned yeah. quickly. And yeah. so I guess the thing I learned about that was diplomacy and how to be uh, correct and how I, I approached the uh, uh, message as an evangelist, security evangelist and let people know uh, if we're going to accept risk or transfer risk or how are we going to do it? as it benefits the organization without being an inhibitor to our trying to get what we're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's, uh, I mean, I, I'm very familiar with that mindset of uh, veterans and uh, previously served uh, officers in the Army, both here and, and in Israel as well, where I'm from. But um, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, an Army, or any military is, you know, deals with the business of risk management and risk transfer. You, you only have so much forces, you only have so much uh, assets, right? So um, it just, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm a bit puzzled to to the reasons why. I mean, would, would you say that uh, if there was someone in your position, you know, living the military nowadays, w- would they have the, the same, you know, difficulties in, in shifting mindset? if
0: they were transitioning, because, uh, fortunately for us, like I said, it's highly regimented. It's the same waste for 200 plus years. Yeah. Okay. So a private back in 200, I mean, 200 years ago or more would understand what a private's going through today because we learn and build from our mistakes and, and we, uh, lock them down even more. So it's not something that, uh, uh, a civilian would even understand unless their life depended on it, and it's a life or death situation in the military. It's not something you can compromise. Uh, a security password, we would never write that down. Are you kidding me? That's a that's a that's a special kind of stupid to do that, right? Because yeah. your life could be at stake if it's compromised. You could compromise the whole mission, right? Get everybody killed.
1: So, yeah, that's an yeah, easy example, be- of course. Um.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the way we approach things in the military. It's loose loose lips, the most famous one, loose lips sink ships, you know. Yeah. And But that came back in the, in World War II, right? So mm-hmm. the same thing holds true to this day. You have to have a security mindset. So, yes, the challenges that those people on active duty uh, transitioning would have the same uh, issues that I had are challenges coming into a non-governmental organization.
1: Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, having spoken about your uh, what your perceived failure, what would you say your biggest accomplishment was?
0: Well, it has nothing to do with the uh, my career field or my subject matter expertise uh, skill set. It's about raising my family, man. I mean, uh, coming from humble beginnings, having to figure it out, starting out as a, a young man, and here I am, 64 years old now, uh, about to become 64. And looking back at uh, what my family looks like today, that's my biggest accomplishment. I've been married over 40 years, going on 40 years. Uh, I have children 40 years. You see what I'm saying? So that's that's my biggest accomplishment. Uh, A lot of my colleagues aren't married anymore. Children are going crazy. (laughs) Uh, My children all did great. Both of them have master's degrees. My son graduated from an Ivy League school. Uh I, I, I couldn't ask for a better family. My my wife is perfect, she's beautiful. And so and she's hot too, so I mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, well uh, helps, right? <laughs> yeah, certainly a refreshing answer. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> you know, looking looking at uh the younger listeners out there or anyone actually wanting to pursue a career of um you know overseas or any career in the cybersecurity space. Uh, what advice would you give them?
0: You know that movie uh, Firewall with uh, Harrison Ford? Uh, I don't know if you saw that movie, but if you look at it, it's pretty sexy. They live a very uh, cloak and dagger environment and they got a lot of money. That's fantasy. That's not what it is. Uh, I would encourage them to learn as much as they can about uh, uh, their skill set. And the fallacy is that you have to be a technological genius or technician to pull it off as a CISO. You you pretty much have to know the basics. You have to speak the language, know the programming and all of that. But my position doesn't require me to be on the keyboard anymore. At this level, I'm dealing with more people and translating the goals and objectives in the boardroom with the board of trustees, reporting to senior vice presidents, the CIO, that kind of thing. So if I had to tell somebody, I'd tell them buckle up and get ready to enjoy the ride. Because the way I learned it, it was out of a water hose. You had to uh, uh, sink or swim, swim or sink. You know, uh, learn as much and pursue certificates. Not just because you should have them to check a block, but to help you in your expertise and keep you relevant and current about the things that are happening. A lot of people get these certificates and certifications like CISSP to check the block. And I'm not envious of that. I have certifications as well, but these are certifications that are needed in order to accomplish my mission, my job. But uh, just don't get the certification to check the block because you will be called on it if you needed to uh, uh, execute your, your level of expertise in that field.
1: Yeah. And I think there are two school of thoughts about certificates and, and compliance in general. There is, you know, that uh, school of thought of a lot of CISOs out there that are very against all these certifications and those are th- that are very pro. I personally, I think uh, certifications, uh, you know, for the most part, they do equip you with some kind of added value and additional skills. That's my personal opinion on that. So I do agree with you on that. Um, well, so
0: much that you have, it's a point in time. Uh, if you had a CISSP back in the 80s, what good would that do you now if you didn't stay relevant? That's why I like the process that they have that you have to maintain so many CIUs, I mean, CEUs to be relevant and up to date. Uh, unlike a degree, though, uh, if you had a computer science degree in the 60s, it's not relevant. And there's no requirement for you to stay current. It's, it's a discipline that you have to stay current. If you want to understand the current challenges that that degree, degree entails. But uh, there was not too much computing going on in the sixties, but there was computing, but it's not the same as it is today. So uh, sure. they have their place, but you have to understand uh, the place. You need to know that what was good back then is not relevant anymore. And if you didn't stay current, you know, it, it's a no consequence. It's, it doesn't serve you any good. You know?
1: Yeah. And, you know, you spoke a bit about your, um, you know, some of the work that you're doing at the boardroom. Uh, and let's let's talk a bit about the role of the CISO. And as you know, some of the CISOs out there report to an IT type of function. Others report to a different leadership role. In your opinion, what are the pros and cons of a CISO that's a part of the IT organization?
0: Well, one of the pros is I work with a lot of intelligent Information technologist, right? And one of the cons is I work with a lot of intelligent technologists, <laughs> so there are pros and cons with the exact same thing. Uh, when you work with information technologists and people at a high end and intelligence uh, computer scientists and that kind of thing, they tend to play stump the chunk, right? I don't know if you understand what I mean by stump the chump, right? you always having to prove yourself instead of saying, "Listen, guys." This isn't about me and knowing what I know. This is about securing the most uh, important thing in our environment, that's our data. It's not about how much I know, where I went to school, any of that. It's about how we secure our data. So the pros is working with those uh, high-end security people and the cons are working with them. But uh, one of the things is uh, having to run interference for uh, people that don't have an appreciation for what you do and having to bite your lip when they don't agree or they have made a decision that could prove to be fatal. Case in point was the breach at the target. I don't know if you're familiar with that breach, right?
1: Yeah, of course. The, the, that, that was a huge PCI breach of credit card information. Exactly. You know, 15 years ago, and, 12 years ago.
0: This is, this is a catch. The, uh, they did an information, it's pretty funny, but it's not, it's very serious. And this is what I'm confronted with a lot of times, not so much in my current job. I was pretty much C.I. to I with the CIO. But they uh, they hired a company, FireEye, to come in and do an assessment. <laughs> and after the assessment, they got breached. And they tried to charge it to FireEye. And the guy was on 60 Minutes, and he said, uh, he. they posed a the question, they said, What good are you? I mean, they came in, you guys did an assessment, and the guy said, frankly, well, you have to do what we recommended in order to be successful and secure, and they didn't do any of it. So their endpoint point-of-sales devices were vulnerable. They explained that. They told them that, and they didn't uh, take care of it, and lo and behold, they had one of the largest breaches in the country, and as a result of it, the CEO was fired, right? Occupational hazard. So you got to adhere, not to just like I said, not to check the block. We had a security assessment. Okay, now what are you going to do about it? How are you going to implement? There's a, a security debt associated with you just pushing things off, right? And that debt don't come due, and there's a cost of it, and you unfortunately uh suffering the consequences of uh, not paying your debt or investing in the right things to get it corrected. So. That's one of the biggest challenges.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. Um, talking about, uh, you know, your day-to-day, what would you say are the best resources that, uh, you know, that you utilize to help you with your daily routine and, uh, and you know, in general?
0: Okay, uh, uh, my work ethic, right? Uh, uh, being disciplined and understanding the things that are required to do what I do. On an everyday basis, and I learned that in the military, is uh every day up at six, do physical training, do this, do this, and it's and it's and it's uh a step by step. And 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 I I, I consider it a, a blessing because repetitiveness makes you relevant and competent. I told my team, uh, you need to give me at least one thing you complete every single day, and out of that one thing. You have five things a week, and out of five things a week, you got fifty-two, uh, you know, fifty-two weeks, right? So when time for evaluation, you got over, uh, you know, uh, twenty-five hundred things you could talk about, and mm-hmm. just that simplistic. If you don't come to work and do one thing in a day, you're useless, right? So I tell them, I want you. <laughs> yeah, okay. What are you gonna do today? I don't know. I've just come to work. Really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that don't work for me. So i got the three c's and it's called uh, competence the first c and when you're confident you become competent right because you're confident uh, you uh, are competent and it makes you confident that you know what you're talking about and in doing that the final c you become comfortable that you're the smartest person in the room about your subject matter uh colby there's a guy that wrote a book about the four executions of discipline. I suggest your audience gets that called the four, Di- uh, the four disciplines of execution. And it talks about how to establish goals and objectives and, and not just stay busy for the, uh, 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 for the sole purpose of being busy. People are busy, but they're not accomplishing anything. Right?
1: Wow. And look get me started on that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. It's just like going into a Burger King, or you know, they just wiping the table down. Dude, you've been there for three hours. What are you doing? Go somewhere and do something. You have to appear busy, right? But you're not moving the envelope. You're not accomplishing anything, and therein lies the problem.
1: Mm-hmm uh yeah i mean i I agree with you with on all on all sort of levels here that you you know we don't have the time to explore to, into <laughs> that but uh, yeah running a business uh you can imagine uh i you know i understand exactly what you mean especially when you know just occupying your time with operational stuff wherever you i mean whereas you can you know spend your time doing more valuable stuff, so that's right definitely. Uh, is there one common myth about our profession or field that you wanted to debunk?
0: Well, again, uh, that you have to be a, a subject matter expert in everything technical, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the best uh, CISOs that I've run into, they have, they're business people. They have MBAs. They understand the the uh, the, the role of the CISO as it pertains to com- communicating a message for the uh, viability of the company. And and conveying security uh assets that are needed to do that, right? And and the 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 common myth is that I have to be a computer scientist to do that. And they put all these I don't know who wrote these uh what do you call them job descriptions, right? They have all these computer science degrees. And I said, dude, that that's not it at all. What does computer science have to do with uh a locking a door or a man uh, trap setting a man trap you know making sure that the hedges are such that around the building uh as, as people don't uh, climb into windows that has nothing to do with computer scientists uh but uh, that's one of the uh, uh domains of the eight domains of security physical security right mm-hmm. so do computer scientists deal with physical security there's no i mean they don't need to right they don't do uh, physical security do they do e-discovery no see so you don't really have to be do you understand what i'm saying you don't have to be a technological genius to be a CISO. i deal with so many other things that's one aspect of the many that i deal with from the keyboard to the boardroom, right again i had to come up with a plan for e-discovery and uh, they're still using that uh, uh process in the university system in North Carolina right now because in two thousand and six there was not one. they used to do uh discovery with paper and everything was dealing with paper they put it in a file locker or a physical letter Now everything's electronic now you got to deal with email so before two thousand six, there was no standards for establishing e-discovery mm-hmm. with the uh, electronically stored information right and so that wouldn't help you if you were a computer scientist <laughs> dealing with e-discovery. That's legal stuff. That's law and how we interact with uh, attorneys and general counsel, right?
1: Yeah. So and, and, it's, a
0: it's a multivariate discipline that requires a lot of the skill sets other than technology. Yeah. Now, okay. my, hey, my whole thing is a programmer, to me, makes some of the best security people because they understand what the vulnerabilities associated with the threat, right? And so that's just something to build on. But I have people that do those uh, CD scans on a daily basis, right? So I don't, I don't get involved with that and they bring it to our attention like we did with the Law 4J, like I'm saying, and we approach it as an enterprise. Uh, they bring, they don't know how to, uh, you know, what, what those uh, ramifications are for the business. They're just telling us this is what is affected and how it could affect it. And then we're taking it to the next level on what will we do in terms of risk, accept it, transfer it, you know, control it, mitigate it, whatever we're going to do with this, uh, this found exploit. Right. So, I mean, found vulnerability. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it protects us from the
1: exploit. Yeah. So I think the transition that you're talking about mostly revolved around uh, the fact that CISOs nowadays are much more uh, a business role than it used to be. Yeah, um, and you for that in order to be a successful CISO, you don't need to have you know uh bachelor degree or uh you know masters in computer science you don't have that you need you don't need to do that you, you you don't need to have that you need to have business skills you need to be able to translate the business needs into your own uh exactly. and support your organization rather than you know um know how to hack or to code or exactly you know, and don't
0: get me wrong i mean there's a place for knowing and understanding language i can't uh uh, go into an environment where I need to speak Arabic and I can't communicate, that makes no sense. <laughs> I have to at least know the language and that's what uh, that's where the background in computer science comes in. I have to speak the language. Once I learn the language, I, ho- I have a whole different approach to how I use that language to accomplish my goal.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um... Moving on, what would you say are the main concerns that uh, a CISO nowadays uh, have in general?
0: Uh, dealing with an apathetic, uh, uh, illiterate, uninformed uh, customer base or end user. I mean, seriously, uh, there's six major uh, components of information systems, right? And you know that hardware, software, network communications, data, processes and you know, uh, procedures and regulations. And then the last one is the weakest link, people. Now think about it: how many breaches are as a result are a result of people?
1: One hundred percent, I would say.
0: <laughs> See, because whether you misconfigure something in the cloud or your workloads are misconfigured, whether it had to have a person to have done that, right? Yeah. Whether you have a security breach from somebody giving up your information from an insider, that's a human being. Whether somebody clicked in an offer saying somebody from Israel is sending you a million dollars, click this link. Come on, are you serious? So my biggest thing is having to educate these people to get an appreciation that said, look, when you do this, you're messing up the organization because that $1 million that they're going to have to pay in the ransom will probably affect your job and you're going to have to get cut. That money is not free. So uh, the number of people that click on these links some FTE's gotta leave the company now as a result of your being cavalier about it. Ah, right, let's click the link and the thing goes. Here we are in the twilight zone, right? Uh so uh yeah, that's what I have to deal with. Uh apathy, uh people, uh they're the weakless link. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah, so, it's- but it's my it's my challenge and my job is to get them an appreciation and teach them on how to be more secure, you know, from uh uh, uh uh, organization that's pervasive, uh, where security is pervasive, the culture of security is pervasive in everything that we do, like the military. Everybody knows you got to know the password. Come on. And you never write it down. That's basics.
1: I think I had a computer instructor at one point who told us the following phrase. The computer fo- um, blindly follows the mistake of the of the person that, you know, the throw the code basically. Without question. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's, it's, a human, it's human error. Every last one pieces is human error.
1: Yeah. What would you say are the areas uh, CISOs nowadays uh, should be most focused on?
0: Well, I think uh, they should be focused on not so much uh, being myopic, tunnel vision, right? But look at the whole uh, landscape of what's coming, how we approach it, Uh, not be like Chicken Little, the sky's falling, or Peter and the Wolf, the boy that cried wolf, and there was no wolf. So you get a a reputation for, hey, Zach is a guy that's going to shoot it to you straight. We better listen to him. Because if you ever go out doing that and your reputation is tarnished, nobody will pay attention to you. And they'll go outside of the organization to get information that they have right there in-house. So the biggest thing is look inwardly on what your vulnerabilities are and uh, work from inside out. Most times your vulnerabilities uh, uh, are right there in front of you, not so much technological, like people running around with Spectre and Meltdown. I don't know if you remember that. Uh,
1: Whatever happened to
0: that? It's the flavor of the day. So every time you turn around, it's the flavor of the day. And people get tired of that and they do become more apathetic and cavalier about it, right? And so, yeah, you don't wanna focus so much on security, you know, just relationships and dealing with people and learning more. Hey, man, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And um, you'd be surprised, your reputation will build in your reputation will help you in translating your message to higher and lower from the least of these to the greatest, right?
1: <clears throat> yeah. And, and I, I believe you already answered my next question about the most important skills CISOs should have. Uh, I mean, we know for a fact that's not a technology background. Uh, did you want to add anything to that? Because I feel that you already answered that.
0: Okay, well, you can always have uh, a ability to convey information in such a way as not to be condescending. Uh, man, you're stupid. Are you kidding me? Why would you write down your, your password, you idiot? I, you, you laugh, bib, but I'm telling you, people talk to each other like that, if you can believe it, right? Uh, the person already. I can believe it. Bad.
1: I believe it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the person already feels bad that they clicked the link, right? So they got these different, like, I'm going to put on a plug for the uh, company. It's called EC Council Aware. And then they got one called Know Before, that uh, once you click the link, you know, it gives you education, that kind of thing.
1: The anti-fishing and awareness. uh,
0: Exactly. So the ability to, uh, you know, communicate with people and and treat them with some kind of sense of empathy. You know, I, I understand you're stupid. You can't do anything about it, but... (laughs) <laughs> no you wouldn't do it that way but you know don't don't treat people with disrespect you know and you'll be surprised at how much you can get from your uh, because just like we said the 100 percent answer is the people as being the problem so i need them they're my biggest asset so yeah and, and i think my biggest you know,
1: challenge. i <laughs> think uh that advice of uh you know treating people with respect that goes uh you know, it's even wider than just uh, being a CISO or <laughs> working in this space. Um, in your opinion, if we if we look at like five years down the road, where do you see the CISO role is going to? Well,
0: it's ever evolving. It's ever evolving. Like I said, it's not like a doctor, a professor of a doctor. It's pretty much set in stone what doctors do. It's not like an engineer based on uh, principles of, of laws of ohms and it's set in stone. Like I said, starting off in the eighties, it evolved from the open collaboration to you know total shutdown and lockdown. But it's going to be more of a you know evangelistic, like it is now, more of a consulting, more of a interaction with uh, teaching and training technical staff, uh, building technical staffs that that the correct. Recipe. I need one of these. I need one of those. I don't need this. And and to lure those uh, people with great talent to do certain functions within the organization specifically, just like a football team. Now you got to have an appreciation for the uh, big guys that protect the quarterback. A lot of people don't know. If you don't have them, you're not going to have a good team. It starts with the foundation and the wide receiver and and the quarterback and Everybody has a different role to play and they have to enjoy doing it. And then to give them an opportunity if they so choose to go laterally or upward in the organization. So you build more CISOs. It took 40 years to build me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just like a general officer. You don't just go and get a general officer. That's 30 years of uh, uh, of training to create a general officer, right? You just can't go pick up a guy off the street and say, hey, you're going to be our CISO. Really? Oh, well, he's the, he was the number one graduate at Harvard. He knows about he doesn't know about 40 years of what it took to be a CISO. He's smart. He's a computer scientist. But what does that got to do with learning how to deal with the police when it comes to the Cleary
1: Act? <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
0: yeah. uh, Yeah. Because it took that knowledge that I know to help the police in doing what they do, the lawyers in doing what they do. The environmental health and safety people do what they do. The auditors, you know, all of these are different relationships that the CISO has to be a hybrid to be able to speak all those different languages, right? But a guy coming right out of school, he wouldn't. who do I talk to about this? The public affairs officer, the National Incident Management System, NIMS, uh, N- NIS 861 that deals with uh, incident handling or, you know, uh, information. Risk management with the uh, ISO 31000 security programs, how to develop a viable security program with ISO 27000, uh, two, one, and two. Mm-hmm. See, all that is, I'm, I'm speaking conversely about it, but that stuff has to be in you. You know, you just can't uh, gloss over it. You got to know exactly the depth of it and where they all fit in, right?
1: Yeah, you can just brain dump that into a, uh, you know, no, someone, no. yeah, of course. Right. No,
0: you got, you got to have, this is coming over time. And so as you build that, uh, you might want to build a curriculum called C. So a, a friend of mine, it became a friend of mine. He was an instructor of mine at Stanford Center for Professional Development. His name's Neil Daswani. And he, he was a very interesting person. He said he went to Stanford for all those years. And he's got a computer science degree. And he never took one course in computer security. Mm -hmm. So he decided to create the curriculum. And now you got the Stanford Center of Professional Development that creates certificates in uh, computer security. In that introspective, though, the way he he saw that, he said, Now, look, I went to one of the best engineering schools in the world. And I never took a course in information security. That's a problem. Now you can get an information security course in basically any university out there, right? You see what I'm saying? So it's ever evolving. And that's just recently. I mean, he created the course in the 2000s, but uh, 2007. But just recently, you, you couldn't even get an information. They just stood up the cybersecurity. Department of Homeland Security has a cybersecurity division, right? right? That's recent. That's not, that's not like 1980. Sure. That's 2015, Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're, you got to stay current, man. you, you got to stay up on it.
1: So I see we have time for a couple more questions here. Uh, let me see if I can get those right. Uh, in your opinion, what will we see in the information security or cybersecurity world next?
0: Okay, the more advanced, uh, you remember we we're the Internet of Things, right? IP version four, right? It's getting exhausted. I mean, so we're running out of IP addresses. We thought now this is this is arrogance right here. Well, we have enough IP addresses to the end of time. Uh, Who worries about two thousand? We'll never make it to two thousand. So nineteen ninety nine, you don't need to put in uh, error handler for nineteen ninety nine. And then we thought the world was gonna to come to an end when 2000 came around, right? And so you remember the Y2K?
1: Yeah, of course I was doing all kinds of fetch um. Uh, do you understand?
0: Time. You stand the arrogance in that way of thinking? Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with IP addresses. Now we're running out. So now we go to IP version six, where there are trillions of IP addresses, and now we're uh putting things all around security. So the whole point that I'm trying to make is AI, artificial intelligence and robotics is gonna play a bigger role in security on both sides. The hackers aren't stupid, right? They to—they already doing robo, uh, uh, what do you call it? Robo uh, hacking, I mean, for rainbow tables and all that. You don't have an individual in there with a keyboard trying to hack a, a password, right? They put uh, like Cain and Abel is a, a algorithm, right? That's trying to hack a password off crack all that those are cold crackers right And so as those have become more nuisance because you know if you get five fail logins you got the clipping cycle it's like five you lock them out they get robotics now they got even got commercials about <laughs> robotics on uh, these uh they said so who needs more robots right I don't know if you've seen the commercial, but it's pretty funny. A look for it that talks about robots dealing with uh hacking and coming into uh intelligent machines uh and just like you said they're just as smart as the people that program so machine learning machine identity to identity machine zero trust understanding how we deal with iam and zero trust and uh, identity access management and so the evolution of uh Hacking will be a, 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 a very interesting thing and in how we combat it. It's like building a better mousetrap or fuzz. You remember how you used to speed on the highway? You know, you used to drive at least 100 miles an hour, but you had a fuzz buster, right? But now the police have gotten smarter and they got radar that could pick you up at farther distance. So when you're constantly trying to stay ahead of the criminal, right, it's almost like the minority report. So that's the future, more uh, automated systems to, on both sides, uh, the red side and the uh, blue, trying to keep them out of your environment, artificial intelligence.
1: Okay, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, one question about vendors. Uh, what would you say the best way uh I mean, the best strategy a vendor should employ in order to connect with, uh, with the CISO out there?
0: Just be honest. I mean, you know, think about it. How many people you think can pull the wool over my eye? I'm just serious, on a cold call. You know, are you kidding me right now? That's not how I do business. And so that won't work me. Just be honest. I, 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 uh, I, <laughs> I, I asked the question from one of the largest vendors in the United States and the world. I said, suppose I had an inexhaustive, uh, you know, budget for IT security and I could buy any product, every product, every product in your inventory, every uh, service. Would you uh, guarantee that my company wouldn't get a breach? And what they take no. his answer work. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Ben, I just told you I gave this dude a trillion dollars <laughs> and I still could get a breach. Are you kidding me right now? So the approach you should take is say, listen, let me give, get a baseline on where you are with your security program and help you get better, right? And these are the products I have that can help you get better because there's nothing that's going to prevent any of that as long as you got a, a human element involved, whether it's inside or external. Is that fair? And let me just put yours in comparison with this one or mine in comparison with yours or mine in comparison with my competition and let the, the CISO decide, right? And, and the value added with that honesty, I'm gonna give you a shot cause you told me the truth. But a lot of the stuff people are telling people are just straight up lies and they end up uh, moving to different companies. Uh, some of the best companies maintain their people for long periods of time. And they build, like I said, a relationship. Those that every two years you see a new vent, something's wrong, right? I don't know how you would view that, but I'm like, wait a minute. where? What happened to Andrew? What happened to Ben? <laughs> where is such and such? That's the way I used to do business, and it's more and more these days, they don't stay around long, right? I don't know if that's uh, the industry's changed or if that's the uh, way of the world, but have you noticed that they only stay around one to two years, and that's it?
1: They move yeah. to another. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have. I mean, I think it's uh just the way the industry is right now, especially with COVID and uh, people understanding, you know, that they want to um, better work-life balance, and a lot of them yeah. just try to, you know, move away and work remotely and. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I think the, the, the ecosystem as a whole is changing right now, but, uh, I, I think what you don't you, think
0: is value in having relationships though.
1: I think that's the only value that you could, that you could have like building relationship, long-term relationship that that's what I'm all about. That's what I'm doing day in and day out. And I think that's the only thing that can actually serve you in the long run so even if you're a sales uh, person and you move from one company to another you would want to you know keep your personal relationships with your Mm -hmm. previous customers because at the end of the day it's all about people both the bad Mm -hmm. and the good right okay i see we are almost out of time and i want to be respectful for your time uh let me see if i could just sneak in a couple more questions here we've spoken about vendors a bit um just other people that you look up to and people that have been most influential to you if you care to share that
0: okay well again it has nothing to do with the industry uh because a lot of the people in the industry we grew together right yeah uh but i'm a christian and that's my faith so i look up to uh my lord for uh you know what he did for me and uh and the people, my mother and my father that raised me, I looked up to them for the guidance they gave me, even though my father only had a third grade education. My mother had a 12th grade education. She eventually went on to get a a, a bachelor's degree, but given humble beginnings, they were able to exceed and provide, the, like my baby sister now, she's the, uh, she's the COO for Underwriters Laboratory. And we came from a very poor environment. Right. How does that happen? I even asked my mother, I said, Mother, how could you take care of 12 children with wow. a salary? $6 a day, right?
1: <laughs> 12? You know, oh my God.
0: Well, it was 10 of us plus my father and my mother. And she said, Well, and this was a simple answer. She said, My mother dealt with 12, so I figured I could do 10. I said, Okay. $6 a day, right? Okay. But uh, some of the people in the industry, though, Dr. David Harris, he helped, he worked with DARPA, that's the defense uh, agency that deals with uh, projects that dealt with DARPA net. Uh, he was influential. David Harris, he's a very smart guy. I learned a lot from him in a collaborative sense. I never worked for him. I worked with him on a lot of things. He's a very interesting person. But those people, my faith is my 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 foundation. That's the crux of the matter, man. Because if I hadn't I had the kind of encouragement from my mother and father to pursue my faith. That would be no Zach Mitchum in IT. That's, that's for sure. I was, I was in a, 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 a stupor state as far as you know, knowing where I was going. Right. Then I, I ended up in uncle Sugar, so I got to give him some love. Uncle, Uncle Sam, I got to give him <laughs> some love because he, he kind of groomed me and, and turned me out. And, and in that, is several people in the military that helped me along the way so
1: well that's uh very inspiring i have to say um what's the best way uh our listeners can connect with you online is that uh, linkedin linkedin is fine and how because, do you sp- uh, how you s- do you spell your profile over there because i i think i look mitchum z
0: m i t c h a m z uh zachary mitchum z a c h e r y mitchum M-I-T-C-H-A-M. And if they just Google that, uh, they can see everything they need to know about me. I'm interested in helping and mentoring people. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) Got it. And it all
0: comes back around. You got people that uh, I would, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I guess uh, haughty and proud when it comes to this, but if I could get more people like me, I'd be in great shape because I'm perfect, right? No, seriously, though, if I had more people in in my industry that have the kind of uh, understanding I have, I think we'd be better off. Because I think the respect that you uh, give people and the way you interact and collaborate, it'll come back uh, in the long run a hundredfold, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me take this opportunity to thank you for uh, taking the time uh, and jumping on on this uh, episode of today's Seasons uh, Insiders. Enjoyed uh, speaking with you, and hopefully we could uh, you know keep in touch in the near future.
0: Equally a pleasure. It was my honor, and I appreciate your your invitation and have me on. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you.